0: Thank you, Pastor Doug. I, I just, uh, you know, you, 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 you don't know what it'll look like. We didn't know what it looked like two years ago when we started talking about this. Those of your board members, we didn't know what it looked like when we sat in that room over there that, and we discussed it. We didn't know what it would look like today. We didn't know December 8th was the day. But it's one step of a lot of work still to be done. <laughs> and It's exciting. That that's been done. We just can't wait to see what all the Lord has in, has in store for us. So thank you again, Pastor Doug, and thank you guys. Uh, those who were on the screen and those who are not, we look forward to the journey in this together. So thank you so much. We're going to continue our series today, and it is the series, at, at Margins, but today we're going to talk about progress. Now, you would see today, progress can be a good thing. We feel like what just happened today and what we committed to here is progress. From where we've been over the last year, you look in this, uh, if you looked at this building a year ago today, we've made progress in this room right here. Some of you now go, yeah, we did. But is progress always progress? And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture, and John, I think I've messed you up. I'll tell you that before I, before I do it. Uh, but I'm going to read two passages of Scripture, one's Mark 11, 28 through 30, which we've talked about uh, quite a bit through this series But I'm also, uh, Psalm 23, but I was going to do the NIV version and I messed you up. But I, I mean, the New King James, is what I was wanting to look at. But don't even worry about that because all of you guys memorized it this week because that was your assignment. So I don't have to worry about it. You already got it locked in here. Jesus' words. Are you tired? This is from the message. Worn out. Burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm just going to do part of it. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. Does this sound like the world you live in? Does this sound like how you live your life? Just, Lord, I, I'm walking with you and I'm laying. I mean, have you ever thought about laying and uh, you, 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 you make me to lie down in green pastures. Have you ever laid on the side of a hill, 75 degrees, sun bursting, and you're just laying there in this deep green grass, and man, you're just soaking it all in. And that, didn't, that didn't hit any. I, that's an awesome place. You lead me beside calm waters. You restore my soul. We live in such a fast paced, hurried world that you wonder is there any way to ever get off that pace? You know, we look around this community here and we look around within four or five miles of this community, and there's a diversified group of people who live here. I mean, from social to uh, socioeconomic to, to either it, it, just different s- settings. But we, a lot of times we look in this community and we go, what would be the contextual poverty in this zip code? Well, it's not housing, it's not water, it's not food, it's not education. So what would be that poverty that surrounds us here at Renovation Church? I would say exhaustion. Marginless lives is probably one of the greatest poverties we have. And one of the challenges we have as a church is to not put more on the plate, but to help people begin to walk a different way that there is a different way to live you know we've always had the same amount of time but you know until one point somebody created a clock then the watch then we broke it down into 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 days and into 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 hours and months and weeks and hours and seconds and nanoseconds and boy you're you're I mean you're I mean how many of you ever sitting in your in your vehicle trying to get somewhere and boy you're looking okay it's only okay it's not t- technically 1044. I suppose, you know, I still got 15 seconds to get there. And you know, you know, you're five miles away. But you somehow know you keep going, okay, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. But we break it all the way down. It makes us feel better. But sometimes it doesn't. It, it puts, you know, the, the watch itself, time itself and keeping time. Progress. Or is it Really? Have you ever watched the show 24? How many of you 24 was a, you know, uh, 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 Jack Bauer was your guy and he 24 the show. They got so much done in an hour. I wish I could get that much done in an hour. I wish I could save the world in 24 hours. Take away, I mean, I'm just saying, boy, if you could have that kind of time to get that much done. I'm not talking about killing as many people as they do. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about to get that much done. It's the reality is most of us have complicated, duplicated our lives. And most of us don't intentionally get here. We just end up there. Somehow or another, we show up there. You know, I, I, how many of you have ever flown, a, a, a flown uh, overseas at some point and they have this deal when you fly overseas or flying back and forth, they have this screen on your TV screen and it's telling you, okay, you just left here. You're about right here, and there's this monitor, and you're here, and this is how far you've got to go. It's what the temperature is outside. I think it's another thing it says on there. It gives you all kind of information, but it tells you where you started from, how far you are away from there, how far it is to get to here. But what if somewhere along the way, they pull over, you're coming, we went to London a few years ago, and I was thinking, what if they pulled over in Greenland, which is not green, and they pull over in Greenland, and they go, Mr. Gentry, you got to get out. I go, no, 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 I'm going to Phoenix. But no, I know that's where you intended to go, Mr. Gentry, but this is what you paid for. This is the destination you chose. I know what you said. I know what you meant. But, but here's the deal. This is what you chose. You're getting out in Greenland. I know your destination you thought was Phoenix. What if we had that to tell us where we were on the trip and go, whoa, okay, I'm going the wrong place. I don't want to go to Greenland. I really do want to go to Phoenix. How do I get myself back on track? And what I think for so many people, what their goal was, what their vision was, they look up one day and it looks nothing like what they had hoped, the destination. Oh, yeah, they wanted the house, they wanted the car, they wanted the technology, they wanted all that, but somehow or another they picked up something else along the way and it's called a marginless life. With more stress, with more debt talked about it last week we got to have margin in our finances or all we've talked about here I'm gonna tell you it's one of the biggest stressors in most marriages may not be in yours but it isn't so many but it's interesting how we measure progress I mean we measure it by degrees we measure it by raises we measure it by houses and I'll be honest with you I mean I mean if you looked at America right now, I don't know there's ever been a there's never been a time in history where we've got more nice stuff. And obviously progress can be great. I mean human right progress, huge thing, you've got to be. It's enormous around the world. And we fight for that. We believe in that oppressed people that we should be stepping in and helping them as a church, as believers individually. Medicine. I mean you can transplant a heart and a lung, and a kidney, and unbelievable. The comforts to stay out of the scorching heat, or the freezing rain, indoor plumbing. I didn't have it the first five years of my life, okay? Didn't have it. had a (laughs) two-holer. And you always wonder, why did you need two holes? I think I've said this before. It still stows me off. Why would you have a partner, go with you. I never figured it out. <laughs> the clothes we wash and dry, to the food we eat, to the communication we have with people around the world we never would have if we didn't have the progress we've had. But you also see in that medicine, they'll advertise a drug on TV. Have you ever seen this? Have you ever noticed this? They, and it's a minute long, and they spend 15 seconds telling you about the product, and 45 seconds telling you how it's going to kill you, <laughs> or make sure they clear all the make sure they covered all the lawsuits. <laughs> the type of conveniences and recreation and leisure we have today that should say that we're a relaxed people. It's what it should say. The ability to go on vacations to destinations that were almost insurmountable for people before, especially the time that you would have to go on that vacation. Yeah, take a month off before. Now you can go fly overnight and get back there. You know, one day you get six days on the ground. Yet stress and frustration somehow seems to have accompanied all this. See, progress almost always flows in the direction of increased pressure. Almost always. It's almost impossible for progress to give us less and less and simpler and simpler and slower and slower. Because I think one of the things that progress does, it feeds on one of our greatest fears, which we've talked about a lot here lately. It feeds on one of the greatest fears, and that is the fear of being left out. It is that fear of going, oh, they're going to notice I'm not like them. Somehow or another, they're going to notice that I didn't do what they did. We talked about that on Black Thursday or Black Friday or whatever it's called. You're afraid you're going to miss out. So the pressure to be there in front of the line and camp out. We have more time savers and less time. Ron Crutchfield, I think it was years ago I heard this. I was trying to find the quote, but I know what the quote was. He said that the middle class in the 50s had to work a little over 40 hours to stay middle class. Now they have to work over 90 hours to stay middle class. You don't think that doesn't change the landscape? Of what you required, what you should, as a person, should, should uh, really be aspiring to? Because you may be left out from club sports, oh, you're going to be left behind. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. All I'm saying is it plays off of fear. And you know it does. You're trying, somehow or another, your child is going to be left behind. And I'm not sure we're turning out better athletes. I think we're turning out burnout athletes. That's what we're turning out. If we're not careful. And I'm not, you do what you want to do and some of you are headed up. I'm not saying, you've got to make up that, your mind for your own family. I'm just saying it's that pressure Oh, you've got to take AP classes. You've got to take more than you've ever been doing because you may be left out. It's of enjoying joy in life. And I'm not saying don't take AP classes and, and do those things. All I'm saying is progress itself speeds things up. Progress. We're a culture of criticism, progress, because we've got talk radio, talk TV, talk, 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 talk. And what do we mainly do? Like I said before, ESPN, Norm, uh, some of you guys, ESPN, ESPN used to be about log rolling and Australian football and chuck wagon racing. <laughs> now it's about putting as many shows on as you can tr- critique. Turn on a talk show, no matter what political side you're on. And no matter how much they spew the fact that they're a believer in Christ, and I again, how can you criticize continuously and call them the names? I'm just saying. But we live in that culture, and you, it, doesn't stop in this, it doesn't stop when it comes into this building or when we walk around and we, we have that bent of criticizing because we're inundated with it because we hear it all the time. Pornography has exploded in our culture benefit of technology it was there before but not like I saw a teenager at a high school here in town a few years ago I was there for a volleyball tournament I saw a group of teenage boys looking at pornography in the bleachers during the middle of school nowhere you're safe and you're not safe I used to, i just tell a guy, man, if you've got a problem with pornography on, on your computer, and that's the only way, that's what, Pastor Kurt, I don't know how to stop. Take the, the, the power cord and stick it in your wife's pillow when you go to bed. That keeps you from getting up at 2 in the morning. Do whatever you take, but now, man, it's just there. It's access. Not even really a way to follow it. Really not a way to follow it. I mean, not even to check on the history and on a phone and everything. Now, it's just a different world. But Progress. Identity theft. Who ever had protection for your identity before the last 10 years? Who was ever buried in credit card debt over the last, about 20 years ago? But progress. You can buy it now, pay later. And you think that stops at your individual house? I think it transfers into your local government, your state government, and your national government. Progress. People used to borrow from us. Progress has found its ways for us to work on the road, in the car, on the airplane, on vacation. How many times have I hit that little button on the top of my droid? See if somebody's text or email me, even on vacation. progress because we've been convinced you're more efficient that way you're a hero because you get so much done because you're a multitasker you can take vacation and work Progress hasn't been that great for relationships either, even though it can be. Those relationships that are far away from you, like people around the world, or I love it for my kids. We've got a pretty good size, the Gentry side of the family and the Goodwin side of the family, pretty good size family. They, my family gets to keep up with my kids, which before it wasn't. It's awesome. You get to keep up. If you're away from your grandkids or, or, or whatever, you get a chance to see pictures. It's awesome for people who are not with you. But if people who are with you all the time, It's brutal. It's brutal. If I had my phone up here, how many have ever been sitting in a meal? Jan and I, I think I mentioned this, we went to the oncology appointment not too long ago, and we looked in there, probably and this all ages. I'm talking up to 60, I mean, 60 or 70, 70 to 80, maybe 90 years old, sitting in there, and everybody was looking down, including Jan and I, except when I looked up to see everybody was looking down. <laughs> we walk through the world with our head down. You know we do. And you know one of our challenges here at Renovation, walk through the world with your head up in the eyes of Christ. Begin to see people the way Jesus sees them. But now we're too buried. Almost, you know, youth group used to, all I worried about in youth group was somebody passing a note down the deal. Oh my goodness, is that long gone? And when, as soon as the thing's over with, they're all talking to somebody that's not there. Really? That's progress. Yeah, I like texting. I mean, it it helps me to get some, if I can just have information. Don't be trying to have a conversation with me by texting. You'll get a phone call. Information, all right. But conversation, no, let's don't do that. Let's talk. But still, people can get you. And a bad thing about texting is, people go, I text you the other day. Oh, yeah, but I don't have Mark Unread on that. Like I do on my email, and I forgot it. It's 12, 15, 30 texts down now. Sorry. They're mad, though. <laughs> it's hard to trust people now. Everybody's got a phone or a recorder or a camera. You don't know. Okay, just put that. turn that thing on while I'm doing this. I'm going to take a picture of that. I'm going to post it without their permission. Kids, I'll tell you right now. People posting pictures of somebody that are that's drunk, they'll do it. It can go viral if you want to go there. Whoever knew, viral used to be something bad. I, I don't know what to think of it now. <sighs> the worst part about all this is, you know, Facebook just Facebook in the UK United Kingdom they attribute 3 percent of all divorces in the UK to, to Facebook now rekindling old flames finding 33 percent of all divorces and I think it's even it's even creeping higher. United States has got the same thing let me tell you what margins is about Margins is about relationships that's what it's about. It's about restoring the space of time, of emotion, of finances to be able to be in people's lives, to make a difference. Again, what's our poverty here? I believe it's that. I believe it's marginless lives. you used to, you had a picking order of the relationships you were in. I mean, for instance, when, I, when our grandbaby was born uh, almost three years ago now, two and a half years ago, there were people that were not at the hospital saw her picture before I did. <laughs> and I was in the waiting room 40 feet away. <laughs> And I understand it. I'm not. It's not a knock on it. But what happens is we disseminate information to everybody, even the most fringe, fringe people that we don't even know. But the people who know us the most might not. Oh, you didn't see it on Facebook? Oh, I'm sorry. I should have called you. Well, part of it. I mean tell you this. If you're expecting me to see it on Facebook, we're in big trouble. But I don't have a Facebook page, and I'm not bragging about you, it's just that's where I am. You know, if I need to see pictures of my grandbaby, I, I find out. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying I won't ever. I don't know. I don't, I don't, all I'm saying is, I think biblically there's the 3, the 12, the 70. Jesus had the 3, then he had the 12, then he had the 70. And then there was more than that, obviously, of disciples. I think we need to go back to 3, the 12, the 70. There, there, certain information needs to go to the closest people to us first. And then the next level, then the next level. I think it gives value to those people who have been investing in your life for so long. Three, the 12, the 70, it's not a real hard concept. Who are your three? And it can be more than three, obviously. It's not like you have grandparents who, you know, there's four grandparents who go, I just got to pick three of you, sorry. (laughs) I don't know which one, but one of you are out. Yeah, I'll slide you to the 12. (laughs) You know what I'm saying by three, the 12, the 70. Jesus had three. He was so closely in and with. Then he had the 12. Then he had the 70 that he sent out. we got to start capturing this back, folks. We will be countercultural. But I'd rather be countercultural and giving freedom and life to my life than being countercultural with a blowhorn on the corner saying, turn or burn. Or dressing in a certain way or looking a certain way and say, oh, I'm countercultural. So I want you to know that I look different than you. I'm not saying that's wrong. You've got to make that decision for your own. But it's more than that. I am living a life that is freedom. Jesus says, for freedom's sake that I came. How do we want to live there? Archibald Hunt, who's a senior professor of psychology and of, of, grad, of uh, at Fuller Theological Seminary, says this. He says, never, let me read this first. I'll take that down just a second, John, my bad. He said, never in history have we been as busy as we are today. Business has become a way of life for most of us and multitasking is the norm. Not only in the business world, but I see it in the academic world as well. We can't get away from the glamorous digital world and re-engage nature's natural remedies. While some can cope with overstimulation without melting down, all of us will sooner or later pay the price for our overstimulation with overwhelming fatigue, fear, depression, and certain disorders like panic attacks. All because modern-day stress has overcome the limitations of how God created our brain's defense systems. Said aside from the damage that prolonged stress can cause to your brain's tranquility system, there are certain behaviors that can increase your risk for the anxiety disorder. Here are just a few of them. Often overlooked. Go ahead and put that up there, don't mind. One of them is hurry sickness. He defines this hurry sickness as trying to do too much and never experiencing adequate downtime. Hurry sickness leads to adrenaline addiction and cortisol flooding. Multitasking. The idea that the human brain is capable of doing a zillion things at the same time is a myth that has no validity. Through research, it is shown that it reduces efficiency. We like to brag about our multitasking, don't we? We do in our culture. It's become a bragging point. Too plugged in. A new Android advertisement says, "Turning turning you into an instrument of efficiency. Take your work with you everywhere." Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> the increased pace of life and loss of recovery and sleep time sets a perfect background for anxiety disorders, digital addiction. The power of the Internet and our digital gadgets to grow new addictions is alarming. Pornography, gambling, gaming, and even social networking have all been identified as powerful addiction generators. Perpetual fatigue, also called sunset fatigue. Many come come home from work exhausted, irritable to spouse and children, even depressed. Nicholas Carr and many other researchers claim that our relentless digital world is rewriting our brains. Think about that. It's rewriting, rewriting our brains. I believe it is also rewiring, not rewriting, rewiring. That's what I'm, re, he said, I also believe it's rewiring the emotional states that can affect our well-being. And here's the last one, perpetual restlessness. There are many reports in the media that most of us cannot even unplug when we go on vacation. He says this, Is on a recent trip to Hawaii, I took a walk down the, uh, the beach and many sunbathers were impulsively checking emails. I didn't see you there, but I bet you were text messages, or just even searching their smartphone for some distraction. The variable reinforcement principle operating here not only creates bad habits hard to break, but causes a dramatic rise in anxiety. He goes on to say, there's no doubt in my mind that the need for such relaxation is built into God's creation, in other words, for margins. Scripture clearly admonishes us to be still. This is not only for our spiritual lives, but for the benefit of our bodies as well. He says, I cannot conceive how we can communicate with God when we are in a high state of stress. A close companion of of relaxation, relaxation that we need to foster, therefore, is our need for spiritual disciplines like meditation, contemplation of God's Word, and meaningful worship. If we are to control our anxiety epidemic, therefore we need to know how to run down the volume, turn down the volume knob of our lives and discipline ourselves to engage in those spiritual practices that we find helpful in connecting us with God. We'll talk more about spiritual disciplines next week as we wrap this series up. How do we get there? Richard, Richard Swenson, which most of you, many of you know, wrote the book Margin. Dr. Richard Swenson, a medical doctor, who we've been basing this off of in many ways, ultimately out of Scripture, obviously, but he gives a kind of a history here, and I want to read this. And, I, and sometimes I hate reading too much, but I hope this helps. He says Margin was an unrecognized, unrecognized possession of the people of the past. Throughout most of history of the world, Margin existed in the lives of individuals as well as societies. There were no televisions to watch or phones to answer. There were no cars and travel was seldom undertaken. Daily newspapers were unknown. The media could not broadcast the cluster, the cluster of events. Now I could go down that road, you know, anyway. Churches and communities did not offer 20 simultaneous programs. <laughs> you had to go there. Let me break here. I, there's a friend of mine that just mentioned, used a phrase not too long ago. He called it spiritual pornography. It has stuck with me. And there's a couple of ways you could go, but one of the references he gave that, that just stopped me in my tracks is that nowadays you can go on the internet and listen to the greatest speakers in our culture. Francis Chan, Erwin McManus, and I'll just name some off, Louis Giglio, uh, Andy Stanley, uh, Rick Warren. You can go listen to those. And you can listen to all five of them each week. But what's concerning about that is then you come to your church and your pastor goes and you go, why can't you perform like him? Progress has its downsides and I know that part of the progress is awesome because it's building up some people. It also gives people excuses not to show up but one of the biggest things is my pastor. My my my, my pastor can't. Boy, I wish you could do that. Spiritual pornography—quite an interesting concept. Let me go ahead. The groups back then—they didn't have simultaneous programs with no electricity to extend daylight. Few suffered sleep deprivation. Time urgency, duty, uh, daily planners, and to-do lists had not yet been adopted by the masses. Instead, by digital default, but I mean, instead by default rather. Then choice, people live slower, more deliberate lives. They had time to help a neighbor. Their church and social activities more often drew them together than pulled them apart. Now used to, people came to church to share about their vacations and all the things that were going on in their lives. Now we've already shared that way more than people want to know about by the time you get here (laughs) through Facebook in different ways. Now again, I'm not saying it's wrong. All I'm saying is it takes out a communal effect for our body. It's already done that. He says, the past might have been poor and deprived in many respects, but his people had margin. Perhaps this is the key to understanding why the past often holds such charm. We know it's not. When I I think about my dad, my dad went to work as the sole income for his home at eight years old, running a team of horses and plowing the fields of East Texas. That doesn't sound like something I want to do or to send an eight-year-old child out to do. Actually, I think you'd be arrested for that. That, but there was a charm about it, though. It is that margin of Sundays nobody did anything except played baseball, ate, and went to church <laughs> in their lives. They'd get real creative in how they entertained themselves. Allie told me one time she said, that, she'd always there. The, my kids are a lot of times going, Dad, tell us another story about growing up because I could walk out my back door in Arkansas and go to thousands of acres and be gone all day long, and nobody worry about me." <laughs> Now, I don't know what that says about my mom, whether she really concerned I was coming home or not. I hope that she did. But now you know what I'm saying, because most of you, a lot of you in here know I understand that. But Allie said one day they'd go, Dad, tell us another story. She goes, I can can see down there someday. We're going to tell our kids. You know, one day their battery went out on the remote control. What a story. What a story. Progress progress he said surely we overrate its sp- positives and that's what I was saying at the same time overlook the hardships yet one suspects there must be at least some substance to our widespread nostalgia those who dismiss the feelings of fondness we have for the past with a hungry sweep of the hand are not being careful enough Jen and I have come to this realization that we are and may have already done handed off to our kids a lifestyle that is complicated and tiring somehow or another we got to keep up we didn't do it intentionally we didn't. We, we landed in Greenland and thought we were going to Phoenix I'm going to tell you I hate it <laughs> it's a good hate Have I taught taught my kids to trust in God alone? Am I living out a life that I want to multiply? And that goes into all kinds of areas, and you know it does. See, I think we need to look at technology. We need to look at these boundaries. And we'll talk about it again last week about the spiritual disciplines and going into strict training. And really what it means, it means to arrange your life around certain exercises and experiences that will eventually allow you to do what you currently can't do just by wishing it. But most of all, it allows us to arrange our life around Christ in a direction. We're going somewhere with this thing, guys. I'm telling you, I would not be here today, Pastor Doug, if I thought we weren't headed somewhere. And we are going to be countercultural, not because we want to be a pat on the back and look at you guys. You're counter. No, it's not that. We want to be living by faith, being known by love, and being a voice of hope. And the only way we're ever going to have that is we got space for that, we got finances for that, and all those things that go with that. That's what we want to be known by. Not that we're a mega church. Don't know if God will ever do anything along that line. Because that's. I take, sometimes I wonder if the mega churches really help. They know they do. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm all for them but in some ways community connection but if you took all your technology and all the progress you're involved in and all the things you're being stressed out about and kind of put them in five categories and I don't have them up there and you can write them or not but but one of them is put them in how does it help me physically how does this technology help me physically how does it help me intellectually and usually, that's really the only two places it really hits. You know, most of us, we divide our culture into Macs and PCs, iPhones and Droids. It's almost a competing, it's not drawing relationships together, it's separating. Oh, I'm a Mac user, and I'm proud. I flip it open in airports, and I'm not even using it. I just want everybody to know I'm a Mac user. <laughs> Does it help me spiritually? Does it take me where I believe I want to go? I believe God's called me to go. Does it help me emotionally or is it draining? Is it sucking the life out of me? Most of all, does it help me relationally? Not only with others, but with God. A lot of technology is amoral and you know what most of it is. It's what you do with it. It's neither good nor bad. You've got to figure out what, we've got to begin to build that place in our lives. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out? Burnout on religion. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to make a real, take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. It might be interesting just to read Scripture, read the Gospels, and just see how Jesus walked out life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything, Jesus says, I won't lay anything on you, heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let me say this, folks. Folks. God loves us so much, he wants us to live free. You know, when we talk about in the 23rd Psalm, and this is the message, go ahead and put that up, I I had that earlier. He said, good God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from true to your word you let me catch my breath there is a natural way to do this folks but i love with the next word and then what i love and send me in the right direction if we don't get the rest we're going in multiple directions and we're not sure if we're going in the right one even though we may be claiming it in the name of jesus but we're not sure Even when the day goes through the death Death valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You know, the other version says, your rod and staff comfort me. You know, when I read that, I also think, don't spare the rod. I'm going, oh that's not good. But you know what this means as a shepherd? The rod is about three or four foot long, got a little ball on the end of it. You know what it is? It's a weapon to protect you. It is a weapon it's also a cattle prod okay come, come on come on come on move 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 but it is a weapon the shepherd carries the weapon to fend off predators but if you don't stay in him and you go alone he can't protect you And the staff, it's got the, you know, you've seen the shepherd's staff, got the little hook on the end, about six or seven foot long. You know what they do with that? He uses it to pull you close, to inspect you and make sure you're okay, to lift the wool up and make sure you're all right. You lead me beside still waters. You know why they need to be still? Because the sheep, don't like running water because most of their wool is on the front side, so when they bend down to drink, if it's still water, they don't get it wet. But if there's a rushing stream going by, it fills up their wool and it fills up their face where the wool is. You know what happens? They tip off into it and die. So they're afraid of moving water. You should be too. It's the still water where you get your drink and you get your rest. It's the calm water. You serve me a six-course dinner, amen, right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head, my cup brims with blessings. We talked about Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, and I've got the message here, but I, we've talked about it a lot, but blessed is the man who trusts in me, Trust me, God, God. The woman who sticks with God. They're like trees planted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers. Never a worry to the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf. Serene and calm through droughts. Countercultural. Bearing fresh fruit every season. We all know we can mix into this culture and look like everybody else and stressed out and hurried, in all that, we know we can. There's comfort in that because we're not left out. But boy, if there was something I was going to be left out on, I think being stressed out would be one of them I'd want to be left out on. You know what we're trying to do here through our vision statement? The picture is to raise up influencers through spiritual transformation to be salt and light where we're engaged and influential. The Harvard Stanford study many years ago said this. Said the greatest impact from the future will not be technology or progress. It'll be the void of great influencers. Why isn't the church the place to begin to raise those up? I don't know about you. you know, but I am I'm really tired of trying to carry this and living this way. You know, the weight of all of it, I'll be honest with you, is maddening. I don't like it. I don't like getting used to it. It's killing me. Like it is you. And you know it. And God promised more than that. He promised way more than that. He promised rest. He promised he would teach us. But somehow or another we keep thinking that's not what he meant. Come on now that we just seen just as soon keep wearing the weights. Whoops. That's how we roll. That's the American way. Let's figure it out. Technology. I'm tired. There's a better way. Just have did you bring the guys up? as we close this morning you may be where I am and I'm not just I'm just not saying that as the end of a sermon that really is how I feel We'll never be the influence in this community or around the world that I believe God's called us to until we start lifting the weights off. And it's going to take some major, some radical changes. And you've heard me say before the reason why it's radical, because if it was easy, you'd have already done it. You'd already done it. Some of you, your first step is you need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the first step. He says, come to me, those who are wore out, and I will give you rest. But it starts by knowing him personally. And I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm or make them feel bad. I'm just telling you, that's the step. I was talking to someone just recently you heard me talk about this. There's a whole different world been going on around you that you didn't know that you're being invited into. And one of the biggest challenges for me all those years, especially those last few months before I gave my life to Christ, was this was the only Kurt Gentry I ever knew. So I didn't know what God was going to do if I turned my life over to Him. You just got to walk by faith you just got to step out and go, this is unacceptable to continue to live this way. This will not work. I want to be a part of something that brings me life, not that's killing me. Not that's sucking the life out of me. Won't you stand with me? We're going to close. We'll be getting out of here. As one has already come, I'm gonna, Church of the Nazarene. One of the things we have kept over the decades is we've kept altars. A lot of churches haven't, and I don't, nothing against that, but we've decided to. But it is a place that we believe that a person can come and your family gather around you and pray for you. But it's a place where you can come public and say, I'm ready. I am laying it down. I am dropping it all right here. For some of you, it is today coming and saying, I'm ready to give my life to the Lord as my Savior and Lord. For some of you today, you've been walking with the Lord a long time. And it is just, you'd say, I am not that one planted by the water right now. The heat has come. And man, I'm dying. I don't mean there's not difficult times. And believe me, I understand that more recently than than in, in understanding it more than I've ever known. But oh man, I believe there's rest. Josiah's going to lead us in the song and I'll come back and pray for us and they're going to lead us. But We just want to open the altars up. What a, I think for a day of organization, <laughs> but most of all, progress. I hope you feel you've, you're you more than you were when you came in here today. But for some of you, I think it's time for a public. Just might, we want to leave you that option to come and say, Lord, it's time. It's time. tired of running, tired of fighting, tired of... Just, I don't even know what I'm asking. I'm just tired. He says he'll give us rest. Josiah, if you'd lead us. You come, kneel at these altars. We would love to pray with you. Not trying to embarrass anyone, but sure just want to pray with you as we journey together.